call to worship is on the inside of the front cover of your bulletin, a responsive reading this morning. A gift of a new day. I'm whipped, I'm tried, ready to be opened. A new day with surprising miracles. With love to be given. Kindness to be shared. And peace to be enjoyed. A gift of a new day. God's gift to us. Let us receive it with joy. And live it in let us open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in praise this day. We give praise and thanks, Lord, that even though we wake up to a rainy, icy morning, Lord, with great expectation, we await the many blessings that you have within this day for us, Lord. But Lord, we are gathered here now on the Sabbath, a day that you have touched and made holy, a day to come here to worship with one another and sing praises unto you. And so we pray that you will pour out an anointing and a blessing upon this time of the Holy Spirit, that all that we do here will bring honor and glory to your holy and precious name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, it's time to bring our offerings forward as we sing doxology number 95. Let us sing. Another infection, and 
and they weren't sure he was going to make it, but he by yesterday was a little better, and hopefully they can find out what's what's causing the infection instead of just treating the infection. Okay. Okay. We'll keep him in prayer for that. Yes.
Heavenly Father, we come to you in praise this day, and we give thanks, Lord. But yet, Lord, even though we come here with praises upon our minds and our hearts, we also come, Lord, with many other things upon our minds. Lord, as I look out at my brothers and sisters in Christ, I see we're dressed in our fine clothes, and our hair is combed, and we're all neat and tidy. But Lord, as you look down from the heavens above, you don't see what I see, Lord. You see our hurts and our troubles. You see our sorrows and our pains. And so, Lord, I pray that within those things that you see, that you will put a stirring upon our hearts to lift them up to you, Lord. Turn them over to you. And so, Lord, I lift my brothers and sisters in Christ up to you that are gathered here in this sanctuary and those on social media, Lord. Pray your presence and strength within their lives. Also today, as we gather, we lift up some others that are upon our minds and our hearts. We lift up Paul to you, Lord, and, and just pray that as he has another infection, Lord, is in the hospital, we pray an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him, Lord, to bring healing into his life. Lord, we lift up many within our community and abroad that are affected with the COVID virus, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you will pour out an anointing upon them and bring healing into their lives. We pray for our community and our family and our friends as a whole, Lord, that you will strengthen our immune systems, Lord. You will strengthen our bodies to be able to deal with such a virus. And Lord, we lift up the ministry of this church to you. And we pray that we will be strengthened within the ministry. We pray, Lord, that you will lead us outside the walls of this church to the community that lays beyond to share the gospel message with others. We pray that you'll bring us discernment within those areas. And Lord, we lift up the young men and women of the armed forces that are scattered around the world. We pray your presence and strength within their lives, especially the conflict that is unfolding in Russia, Lord. And we pray that you would bring peace to a land that is far away. For the many veterans who have already given an important part of their lives for our freedom, Lord, we lift them up to you, and we pray that you will provide for them in many different ways, Lord. Lord, we lift our country up to you as a whole. We lift it up to you, and we pray that for a nation that is going astray, for a nation that is losing values, for young people who are falling away from your word, for families that are split up and separated, Lord, for broken and hurting families, for, for addictions, Lord, that rampage through our communities and within our lives, Lord. It, is, it all has to do with our country, Lord. It all has a, an effect upon our country. And so we lift this country up to you, Lord, and we pray that you would strengthen us and draw us near to one another. And within the United States, we would cling to the word united and not be divided. We lift up the leadership of this country, Lord. And even though we just struggle, and sometimes we get angry, and Lord, we just pray that we would find the strength to lay within your hands and look for a mighty work for you, Lord, for the leadership of this country. That they will turn, they would turn from their evil and wicked ways, from their selfish desires. To serve a people who elected them into office. And so, Lord, we lift up the leadership of this country and pray that you will do a mighty work within it. So that we can once again stand proud near that flag in which we honor and cherish and be one nation under God. And so it is this day, Lord, we come before you as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we share together 
in the prayer in which you, our Lord and Savior, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through. I'm actually going to go to verse 21. Let us share together in the living word of the Lord. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who then they had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power, also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. The living word of God for the people of God. Amen. So we have, this morning in our scripture, we have John and Peter making a trip to Samaria. And we, the reason that they're going to Samaria is because there's a conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. And it's not just a conflict that happened yesterday or a week ago. It's a generational conflict. It's a conflict that happened many years ago. Kind of reminds me of I was doing a funeral one time. And I got to the cemetery and to do the funeral. And, and we got to where the headstones were and where the hole was dug. And the body was to be laid at rest. And one of the family members looked over and seen the headstone beside it. And said, well, you can't bury mom here beside her. They never got along, and I'm not going to do that. So we canceled the whole funeral until they could find a different spot. A generational divide. Now, most of you don't know, but I'm a, my mother was a, a full-blooded Hatfield. From the Hatfield and McCoy's bickering dispute that went on years ago back in 1870 and so there's a Facebook page that there's a Facebook page that has it's the Hatfield McCoy's page and, and would you still believe even that long ago even though I knew none of them people and they didn't know none of them people the Hatfields and McCoy's still don't get along and so that's what we're dealing with here with the Jews and, and the Samaritans okay and, and so what we have in this in our scripture this morning is, is there some suspicion among the apostles about the new non-Jewish converts? Are they really saved? 
Are they really saved? That, there's some suspicion. There is, and, and you see, because within the life of the church, the early church, there was at least three central pieces to, to the convert, conversion initiation, okay? And what that, I mean by that is, is there were three things, and I'm going to share them with you, that if you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, there were three things that the church looked at that should be done. And I firmly believe in those three things. The first one was the confession that Jesus is the Messiah. Now we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to confess? If I confess something, I admit something. Okay? And God's plan to save man from his sins includes the confession of our belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. People can know of our faith in Jesus Christ only if we confess him. That's the only way they're going to know. I mean, that's not a secret. Okay? If I go to a restaurant and I have a really good meal, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell my friends, I went to a restaurant down in Franklin and the food was fabulous. Okay? But if I don't tell anybody, nobody knows. You see, this, if this is the way it is with Jesus, that, that unless we confess him, at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Have you ever been asked that question? Who is Jesus? You see, that's where you're put on the spot. That's, that's where you need to confess him. People who were not sure that Jesus really was the Messiah, they're your friends, they're your neighbors, some of them are your family. They're, they're unsure about this whole church thing. They're unsure about this belief that we have. Some thought he was John the Baptist. Others thought he was Jeremiah, Elijah, or one of the prophets. But Simon Peter. Simon Peter was sure that Jesus was the Christ. He confessed, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus told Peter he would be blessed because he made this confession. You will be blessed. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm looking for all the blessings I can get from the Lord. Amen. <laughs> And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it into thee, but my Father who is in heaven. You see, every person who makes this same confession as Peter will be blessed. Now, whenever you have something, you have something else, right? So what's the flip side to this? What's the flip side to, you know, there's those who never confess Jesus as the Christ. Parents of the blind man, for instance, who healed, the parents of the blind man healed by Jesus would not confess him. In John chapter 9, verse 22. Others among the rulers would not confess him. Now, they believed in him, but would not confess him, and therefore could not be saved. And this shows us that faith alone will not save. I want you to think about that. Just saying that I believe in it is not enough. You must confess him. One cannot become a Christian unless he confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I think we are missing out on that within the life of our churches and our communities in today's world. 
One day, Scripture says, everyone will confess Christ. Everyone. For those, the atheists, the Wiccas, for whatever they may be, everyone will confess. When they stand, it, when, they, when their time comes and they leave this world, and they're there they will stand in front of Jesus Christ, and guess, you know what, I don't know what I, it's that old crap moment. No, <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> okay? But everyone will confess someday. But if we wait until Judgment Day to confess Christ, it will be too late for us to be saved. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then confess Him today and be baptized within Him. That's what Scripture tells us. Now, now this baptism thing, okay? This is another area that the early church believed in and stood behind. Now, when I think about Jesus approaching, the John, approaching John in the Jordan River, baptizing my people, or baptizing people, my mind automatically goes to the movie, Brother, Where Art Thou? I don't know how many of you have ever seen that movie. Yeah, <laughs> I love that movie. you got a bunch of church people in the water getting baptized. you got three criminals come along, and the one, I think his name was Delmas, he, he says, he says, I'm going down in the water. And I love the song that goes with it and everything. And he goes down into the water. And he comes out of the water. And he says to the other two, the preacher says, I've been forgiven of all that stuff. You see, the baptism in water of John the Baptist was a baptism under repentance and acceptance of the gospel of the coming Messiah. Who John had not yet met. But when Jesus came on the scene and asked John to baptize him in the River Jordan, John suddenly realized who and what his baptism was all about. It finally set in as to what his baptism really was about. Water baptism is a symbolic burial by which the new Christian publicly declares that they have died and are now beginning a new life in Christ. When I was baptized in a spring-fed creek at the end of May, fully submerged, I knew when I come up out of that cold water that, that the old me was gone and there was something new coming in, okay? And I declared that the old me had died and there was a new me into the world. That I had taken and replaced something, put something where the old was, and baptized in the, is the English form of a Greek word that means to immerse or to place something into something else. Water baptism is a statement of faith. My old life is behind me. I am a new person with a new life. Water baptism is a sign of repentance. And repentance means change. A change so drastic. The old person is buried. You see, baptism is about death. Your death. Death is the end of something. Water baptism is your public declaration of your death. It is a public confession of faith. I have died to my old life and my old ways. I'm changing. I'm living for Christ. I am a part of the family of God. Amen? Amen. But you see, these things can be very difficult. I think you'll agree with me. These things can be very difficult to comprehend. That's what I want you to think this morning about missing element. You know, in some things that just don't go right, there's a missing element. Ladies, let's say you're baking bread. 
and you, you're baking your bread, you put it in the oven, the right temperature and everything, and you're watching it, you're taking care of it, you take the bread out and it's flat. <laughs> okay? You got a missing element, amen? You probably know what that missing element is. Yeast. So now what you have is communion bread. On the first Sunday of the month, you have flat bread, okay? Man, if you're working on a car, and you work hard on it, and then when you're all done, and even though the car runs, you have a bunch of extra parts in your hand. I know why it always seems to happen to me, okay? And, and you have all these extra parts, you've got to miss an element. Something ain't right somewhere, okay? You see, that's, that missing element is very important. Something is missing. However, we are not the first to miss, miss the crucial ingredient in our Christian life. The Samaritans had to know that salvation came from the Jews, and the Jews in turn had to understand that the same salvation that they shared in, the same thing that they believed in, was open to the Samaritans. Jesus said in John 17, that the world would know that Jesus came from the Father when the world saw the unity of the body of Christ. You see, the missing element is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And the world wouldn't see this, even though tremendous hatred existed between the Jews and the Samaritans, it was very hard for the community, you know, those outside the faith, your brothers, your sisters, your your friends, your neighbors. It was very hard for them. You know, the sorcerer in Scripture. To see the salvation of Jesus Christ that God demonstrated to both sides that they would be united together as a church. United together as a church. The receiving of the Holy Spirit was a healing sign that the two sides were to become one. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our community is watching us. Every move, they're watching us. Those on social media, people are watching us and, and what we believe in and how we act and what we do. We need to become one as Christians. But the Jews and the Samaritans, they were missing something. But suddenly there became a revolutionary force once they figured out this missing element that changes the world. It changed the world. If we are going to impact our world and the generation to come, it is imperative that we discover and secure the missing element of our life. We need it. Or we can do all that we want to do. And we will continue to perish. Because we are missing the element that the church in Acts had. The missing element in most of our lives is the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John came into contact with some Christians and immediately addressed their deficiency. They could tell. He didn't beat around the bush. He immediately addressed it. He was in their face about their need of this element in their life. He said, you need the Holy Spirit and there ain't no getting around it. And why is it so crucial for us to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's a couple reasons. The power to witness. The Holy Spirit is very crucial because he enables and empowers us to witness. The Holy Spirit is not just about goosebumps and speaking in tongues and 
being slain in the spirit or all those other things. His purpose is to give us the extra amount of courage and to, and to share the gospel with someone. When is the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? Think about that. When is the last time? If you did, just like John, Peter, was it natural ability or boldness that caused this intimidated group of disciples to become great witnesses? It was after they had received the Holy Spirit that they were able to get out of their clique, out of their comfort zone, and go out and share with others. You see, it took a power that they didn't have to share with others. Acts 1.8 tells us from the very beginning that we will receive power to witness when we receive. First, we have to receive it, and then we will receive that power to witness. The Holy Spirit isn't just for you. It is really about those you are called to reach. It's about your friends, your neighbors, those in our community. Too many of you are just too quiet about Jesus. You're just too quiet about Jesus. It is time for you to get so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that you can't be contained. Have you ever been so excited about something that you just can't hold it in anymore? That's how you need to be about Jesus. So full of the Spirit that you won't be intimidated or embarrassed to open your mouth and to be a witness in any circumstance that you're in. You know, I share Jesus no matter where I go. I go to a lot of different places. I'll be in a cattle auction, and if the, if the opportunity it presents itself, I'm, I'm sharing Jesus with somebody. Always in a restaurant. If the opportunity presents itself, I'm sharing Jesus with somebody. In a bar, I go there because the food's good. Amen? <laughs> I'm sharing Jesus with somebody, no matter where I'm at. I stood out in the field on a zero-degree day sharing Jesus with a log truck driver. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that the power of the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that at the right time. When is the last time you spoke up and told somebody about Jesus? If it's been a while, you're missing the element. The element is the Holy Spirit. But it's not just about that. It goes a little bit farther. It's about comfort. The Holy Spirit is crucial because he is our comforter. Now, I would like to say it's a perfect world when we all get up from here and shut social media off and go back out into the world. It's all roses and fine. But it's not. Some of us go home to, to hurt and pain and arguments and and carrying on. Some of our lives are chaos. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us and strengthens us in situations like that. Gives us the strength facing the hardest situation that could ever come across your life that would have an effect upon your soul. You know, I, I can remember my first time full appointment. It was about 10 o'clock at night and I was in bed and I, I heard a, a car and so I got out of bed and I went to see the car wrecked about a block from where I lived. I got out of bed and a 19-year-old boy from out of town wasn't familiar with the road lost control on a curve and he hit a tree. And as I, I approached the car, I got the 19-year-old boy out of the car and I looked into the back seat and his 9-year-old brother was there. 
Just as I reached in to have prayer with him, he passed away. You see, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gave me the strength in that time to be able to share with him. I went back home and went to bed while the rest of the town gathered around. The Holy Spirit kept telling me, you see, this boy's family lived in Alabama out of town. And the Holy Spirit kept telling me, Matt, get up out of bed and go to the hospital to be with that young man. He needs you. I fought it for a few minutes, but then the Holy Spirit won. I went to Altoona Hospital, and I sat with that boy all night long. And I lied to him. He, asked, he kept asking me how his brother was. Did his brother make it? Is his brother alive? He wanted to see his brother. I said, I'm really not sure. I didn't feel it was my place to share that with him at that time. His parents arrived in the morning. I had another hard job, the hardest job of my life I've ever had. And that was to tell two parents and a brother. But the young man didn't make it out of the car accident. But you see, I wouldn't have had that power. I wouldn't have had the strength to do that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, the strength. We wonder, not just in my life, we wonder how things, or your life, how things work, how we get the strength. Think about Stephen in the scriptures of Acts, where Stephen, he, he's kneeling, praying as men full of hate and anger throw rocks at him. The entire time they were killing him, Stephen held his tongue. He refused to lash out. And we forget that Stephen was described as a man full of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's times when we're weak that it can bring, that the Holy Spirit can bring us strength. If you're facing tough circumstances in a tough environment and you don't know where, how you're going to make it or where you're going to learn or where you're going to get the strength, you need what Stephen had. You need the Holy Spirit. You need strength. Comfort in a time of faith, in a time of death. But the Holy Spirit is also the convictor. It is crucial for us to have the Holy Spirit because, as I mentioned earlier, there is no difference between the way many of us live and how non Christians live. Can you tell us any different from the Eagles Club or the Elks Club or some other organization out there? The Holy Spirit is the difference. He is the one who will convict us and cause us to desire and live righteously in the middle of a sin-filled world. And many of you have a hard time knowing what is right or what is wrong. The Methodist Church itself is struggling hard with that right now. But if they would just let the Holy Spirit do an amazing work, we wouldn't have a problem. He would give us the answers. Many of us are going to get up from here today and we're going to go home. Some will be set free. But some will still struggle. So I want to encourage you this morning as we close that if you're missing that element, if you were baking bread and every time you opened the oven door, it kept coming out flat, you wouldn't continue to break bread or bake bread every day that way. You would find the missing element. If you have any of these things in your lives that I talked about this morning, then I encourage you as we close with this last song to invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Let us stand and sing. Rescue the Perishing, number 591.
you will fill that element that only you can do, Lord. And so I lift up my brothers and sisters in Christ to you. I pray an anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will walk with them, guide them, and strengthen them, and most of all, Lord, keep them from the voice of the evil one. And all God's people